What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Leaders in Real Estate podcast. Today, my guest, Denny Dumas, is someone who has built his business in a short time. He's only been in real estate for five years, but really built it from nothing to doing over $100 million a year in sales. So we break down really what it took for him to come from bright-eyed, freshman in real estate, so to speak, and how he grew his team, uh, his business, his sales tactics, things, how he learns, how he approaches real estate, all of this. So it's a great story, especially for those who are sitting around scratching their head saying, how do I drum up more business? I think you're really going to like listening to Denny talk and some of the wisdom that he puts uh, puts on us really in this podcast. So I'm super excited to share it with you. But before we hop into that, I do have to mention our sponsors, guys, Reliance Network. Back at it again, I'll tell you, these guys create the prettiest websites that I have seen in the real estate space. But not only that, they got the juice to match the squeeze. And I mean that because they have a back-end CRM, they have lead routing, they have action plans where you can get someone who comes in and emails get trickled out appropriately to your leads and, and your sphere of influence as they come in. So really a, an all-encompassing product and something that I recommend to every brokerage. You know, every brokerage that I go and work with, I'm always like, hey, are you on Reliance Network? This is really the top of the line technology combined with top of the line design. So they currently have, I, think, I believe over 40 designs that you can choose from. Think about it like a squ uh, Wix or Squarespace where you can go in and what you see is what you get, really easy to edit, put your photos in, and you can have a beautiful website with full MLS integration set up in honestly no time. So go check them out, reliancenetwork.com. I can't say it enough. They make amazing websites, uh, amazing systems for brokerages. Go check them out. Now, with that, guys, sit back, relax, get your cup of tea, get your beer, get your coffee, water, whatever you're drinking. Uh, sit back. This is going to be a great episode. What is going on, my beautiful real estate people? We are back 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 i know we've had a little bit of a hiatus hey it's been summer what can i say but we are back another episode of the leaders in real estate podcast i'm your host jordan shelton and today i am sitting with someone that i've been really really excited to speak with his name he's here denny dumont denny how you doing what's up jordan i'm doing phenomenal and super pumped to be uh invited on the show thanks for having me no, we're excited to have you here. Denny's one of these guys who's, I guess, been in the industry for a medium level of time, but has a lot of experience. So he's been in the industry for five years. He's helped grow his company from 30 million in yearly sales to over 320 million in sales in the past three years. 320 million in the past three years. Crazy. He's now branching out into developing side of the industry. He's also hosting a podcast, the Zero to Hear podcast. I highly recommend checking out uh, episode 17. I have absolutely no bias as to why, but to go check out episode 17 of that podcast. Danny, uh, I know you got a lot, a long story to tell, and I, I want to hear it. Tell me how you got into real estate and really what's brought you to where you're at today. Yeah, that's a quick little summary, but there's lots of uh, little filler information for sure. I've been in the industry just over five years in Greater Vancouver in Canada. Uh, kind of got into the industry by fluke. I had always 
uh, been interested in, in real estate, in development, in architecture. My, I worked for my family business, which my, my dad ran sports bars and liquor stores throughout Greater Vancouver, worked for that for five, six years after university. The business just kind of took a turn and it knew it wasn't something I wanted to do long term. I had a buddy who was in real estate in Greater Vancouver for five years previous and took him out for lunch and said, hey, I want to work for myself. I don't really know what I want to do. How's this real estate game work? And that was probably the best lunch meeting of my life thus far. It's crazy too how you can just stumble into it, right? And really, the career finds you in a sense when you look at real estate. Totally. I, I knew I always wanted to be self-employed. I knew I wanted to work for myself, make my own schedule, have, uh, you know, you see that term, the sky's the limit kind of thing. I wanted to be in an industry where the harder I worked, the more upside potential I had. And in just a few quick conversations with my partner now, James saw that this was uh, an idea that I couldn't turn down. Totally. And for those who are looking right now and want to go check out more about Danny and his company, it's uh, the company is Garbit, uh, Garbit and Duma, um, and they are out of Vancouver. So if you're in Vancouver listening to this, definitely go check them out. But let's let's pop into this. So you were there, right? And you had this lunch meeting. You stepped away. Was it right away that you were like, okay, I'm going to do this thing? Or did you have a little period of uncertainty? Um what were those days after the conversation like? It's interesting when I think about like people ask me to describe my personality. Business personality and personal personality is uh, kind of opposite end of the ends of the spectrum. In business, I'm super decisive. I signed up for the real estate course the next day after that lunch. And in Greater Vancouver at the time, it's changed a little bit since, but in Greater Vancouver at the time, it took about two and a half months if you did everything as quick as possible to actually get a real estate license, which is a ridiculously short amount of time. And so I pounded it out. I got uh, ordered the book. There's this massive book that's like double the size of the Bible that you get. And there's 20 assignments. You're only allowed to hand in two a week. And then there's an exam at the end. You got to get, I think you had to get 65 or 70% on the exam. Passed the exam, had a real estate license two and a half months later. And that's it. That's taking that, uh, what I would call, and for those of you who don't know, Denny actually played college sports and him and I played sports together back in the day, but that's taking the athlete mentality totally. to it is, is saying like, okay, here's the goal. I'm going to crush it. Totally. <laughs> I, at, um, at that point in, just in like a personal level too, I didn't really have another option. I was in a career that I really did not like. And so it, it was super motivating to just pump through that course and get out there and get ready to rock. Okay. So now let's, let's move forward, right? So you got the license. Mm -hmm. Tell me about something in your career that you're really proud of, whether it's getting the license, that first sale, that first team member, what take me to that moment where you step back and kind of had that, wow, I'm doing this moment and talk me through that accomplishment, what it took to get there. And then, you know, really what you thought when it took place. There's a few things, and I definitely had a little bit of a catapult into the real estate world just because of um, who I teamed myself up with. So uh, Jamie had been in the industry five years, and really a lot of the early on goals were just to beat his numbers from the first couple of years. <laughs> so when I look back and think about what I'm super proud of, if I look at the five years as a whole, it's the team that we've built. It's the people that we've been able to attract and surround ourselves with. And we have a phenomenal team of 
six agents and two full-time assistants now. But really that for me, if I look at the five years, is the big accomplishment. Obviously growing the business from 30 million in sales Jamie was doing by himself when I joined him in 2014 to now the last three years we've done over 100 million in sales each year. But early early days, it was literally just trying to beat his numbers. So I think year one, he did 14 deals and I did 17. And that was literally the goal was just, I want to do more than 14. And then year two, I think he did 53 or 57, something like that. And I did 76. So when I look back, obviously it brings a smile to my face as you can probably hear. And it was really just a little bit of competition between the two of us because I, I really admire this guy. He has done a phenomenal job building multiple businesses and uh, obviously is a very close friend now. But just to be able to throw that back at him and say, my first couple of years were better than your first couple of years is kind of a, a little ego boost. And then hopefully he doesn't, you know, listen to this podcast and, and hear that part that where you acknowledged, you know, that he kind of gave you a cat, the catapult you in. We can edit that out afterwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, he knows. No, that's, that's great. And that friendly competition, that's, I mean, that's, we hear this a lot actually. And I see this a lot when I go into brokerages and training and seeing the competition amongst team members and seeing how it can turn unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, I think when you're pushing for sales metrics and, and who's, you know, and pushing each other, it's great competition mm-hmm. opposed to when you're trying to, you know, pull pegs and take each other down. So that's huge. Even um, just talking about the potential, like if, if who, I, I don't know exactly who the audience is, but I'm assuming it's a lot of real estate professionals. When considering partnership, find, finding someone who is good at what you're not. So he is a guy that is a phenomenal marketer. He is built a, f- a crazy awesome website that funnels leads towards us every month. And he's at a point in his life now that he doesn't want to be involved with clients 24-7 because he's got three kids, two dogs, and is a little bit older. And I, his words, not mine, am the hardest worker he's ever seen other than himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we just fit together so well. So I, uh, if, if you're thinking about partnering, if you're thinking about building something with someone else, finding someone who is good at your weaknesses, I think would be at the top of my list. Yeah. That's such sound advice because having two people who do the same thing, um, it's sure it can seem great and you probably get along because you have a lot of the same interests, Mm -hmm. but that's really enabling a giant blind spot. Um, Absolutely. When you go to build your business. So you can cover your blind spots and you can cover them by getting people who see things differently and like different things. So I am totally with you there. I can't, that's something that shouldn't be stressed enough. Hire, you know, really sell your strengths and hire for your weaknesses. Absolutely. Um, That's a, a huge thing in any, any industry. Now, Flipping the script a little bit. So, you, you know, you got this accomplishment first three years, you built the team. Okay. Wow. But take me to a moment when maybe you thought you had it and <laughs> you didn't. So a big failure that happened and talk me through the lesson that you really learned from that. In the real estate world? It can be anything, anything. Cause, uh, how it, Cause there are so many things that come to mind and whether or not people take this as a negative or a positive, that's up to them. But I see it as, as a huge positive. I feel like I've failed so many times. And the positives, the exciting times for me don't mean as much as the failures do. And the, I think the reason because of that is 
I learn so much from the failures and they motivate the hell out of me. Whereas the exciting times, the big accomplishments are kind of a one and done. And a lot of people take that as a negative saying you need to celebrate accomplishments, et cetera. But for me, it just, it doesn't push me any further. Whereas the failures, the mistakes, the things I can do better continue to push me. And that's what I kind of like and focus on. Personal wise, professional wise, there's a lot of them. I'd say the first real one in my real estate career was, it was my very first listing. I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. I was maybe three, four months into my career. I had a a coworker of a friend who was selling their townhouse to move out of town in Vancouver, probably worth about a million bucks. In my inexperience, I wasn't as pushy as I probably should have been in terms of market value. I gave them a value. They wanted to list about 100K higher than that. Took it on for three months. Felt like I did everything right. Didn't sell because it was priced too high. They obviously thought it was due to my inexperience that it didn't sell. So they canceled the listing, relisted with someone else at my suggested number, and it sold in a week. So those types of experiences sting a little bit. Um, But what I learned early on in my career is regardless of doing everything correctly that I thought I did anyway, um, there's always going to be times that it just doesn't work out. And dwelling on stuff like that, making excuses for stuff like that doesn't progress you forward. Whereas what I took away from that early, early in my career was I can get better at articulating why something is worth this number rather than oh, they just didn't listen to me and it didn't work out. Right, and, and displaying your expertise that way. You, you, you said two things there I think are really interesting. One, at the start, talking about how you actually remember you know, getting through the hard times mm-hmm. um, and how that's kind of a win. And it's either in Charles Duhigg, uh, Smarter, Better, Faster, or Simon Sinek's Leaders Eat Last. I forget which book, but they actually surveyed teams and they find that when people are surveyed about their career and about their best memories, they never quote the good times when things were smooth sailing. Interesting. They quote the times when they got through a hard time, when it was that late night and the whole team huddle around and the projects due the next day and you're eating cold dominoes and, and pushing through. That's actually where people have their most fond memories. And it's because they're challenged and they're challenged in those times and they push through and it becomes a sense of accomplishment, mm-hmm. right? So that's very interesting. Two, the second thing which you really touched on there was really not the ability to articulate, but just self-confidence. Hey, you're the expert in this position, right? Absolutely. And being like, hey, guys, if you don't want to take my advice, that's great. You should call another agent. Like having that ability now to be like, maybe not to call another agent, but you like, look, I've done, I did 76 deals or my company or, hey, using like using the finding a way to articulate that, hey, I do this full time. Like I know the, the price of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I'm an expert and standing ground a little bit on that, right? And that could have ended up, that that transaction could have gone a different way. For sure. But you doubt yourself and everybody does this. We doubt ourselves, especially when we're first starting and stepping into waters. You know, you're a new agent. You're probably questioning all the time. Like, am I even good at this? Maybe you closed, you know, three transactions last year and you're like, man, am I, what am I doing, right? I'm lost. I'm not good at this. And and I think it's a, a mental switch to say, no, I know this. I know my area that I sell. I know the prices. I know the people. And really just, you know, 
putting the work in, but then also having that confidence in behind the work. For sure. And one of the things I stress with the agents on our team is communicating well with people. So setting expectations early. We'll take listings that are slightly over value from what we think they need to be at to sell. But I think it's so important to have that conversation right away prior to listing that this is what we expect to happen based on this number. So if I say something is worth 500K, we need to list at 499. With that number in the greater Vancouver market right now, it'll sell roughly in 30 days. They want to list at 525. It's within a reasonable number. We're taking that listing 95% of the time, but having that conversation early saying, okay, if we're listing above 500K, we're a little bit higher than comps that are currently on the market. Our open houses will likely be slower. We may get one to two private showings a week, but the likelihood of an offer is quite a bit lower in that first month than if we were listed at 499. So setting the expectation super early with clients and having it written down so they can't forget that you had that conversation, I think is super important. Then 30 days on market, you're saying, you know, this is kind of what we expected. We're happy to continue writing it out based on time of year, of course. But if you want to see more interest, if you want to see, potentially see an offer, we probably need to move to that 499 number. Yeah, that's huge. And you said something very crucial there, writing it out. Yeah. People get amnesia mm-hmm. when it comes to the things they agreed to. So email chains, text chains, wherever it is, just so that you can be like, look, we, so we had this conversation a month ago and be proactive, right? If the, if the property's not moving 30 days in, that's when you say, hey, remember, I just want to forward this email back up, bring, bring this conversation back to the top of the inbox. You know, we had this conversation. Things are playing out the way you know, I predicted or that we thought because, heck, we do this for a living. <laughs> and, and don't be afraid to get ahead of that. So you instead of having a customer call you one day and say, oh, I'm listing with someone else, right? I'm, I'm taking down the listing, canceling the listing agreement, like getting ahead with that communication and showing that you've articulated it and that they've agreed to the strategy before is going to help smooth out any future, you know, rockiness when it comes to trying to move a listing, especially like if you're in one of these markets across the US where you have super high inventory and a lot of competition and it turns into, you know, a buyer's market, Mm -hmm. like you want to look into, okay, like how to best position the property. And if somebody is attached to a certain price or say maybe you're in a retracting market, it's like getting ahead of all these things are really, really, uh, important when you look at the communication with your clients. The other thing I stress, you said the word proactive, and that's something that I absolutely love to talk about. I stress with our agents on our team, be proactive with communication rather than reactive. Don't wait for someone to say, hey, I haven't heard from you in five days. What's going on? Are we going to do another open house? Have you had any showing requests? Be proactive. Make sure you're ahead of those messages. In Greater Vancouver, we're in a slower market right now. A Even a well-priced strata property is probably on market 30 to 60 days. And two years ago, that was seven max. So weekly updates in terms of has anything sold in the neighborhood, any new listings that have come up that either hurt us or help our price point, just being proactive so that people understand what's going on. It makes you look like you are working your butt off 
And it also helps if something isn't selling in 30, 60 days, it helps show that other listings around them are not selling either. I think too, to to the point, right, is just involve your client. Mm -hmm. It's people say this all the time, like buying a house, which they're probably, if they're selling with you, they're probably going to get into another mortgage and purchase, right? Buying a house is the biggest financial purchase that a person makes in their life. This, we hear this all the time. It's the biggest, it's the biggest purchase. It's the biggest purchase. It's the biggest purchase. And like I've said on this podcast before, yeah, like the eighth biggest purchase is the commission you pay to your realtor. So like if the eighth biggest thing I pay for in my life is my commission to a realtor, yeah, like guys, we need to be proactive. Like this is a no brainer. There needs to be outstanding service because that's, especially in some of these markets that have ballooned, right? The the San Francisco's, the Vancouver's, the Seattle's, this is Toronto. Like this is where people need, they need that service. And if you want to go, if you truly want to grow your business, you should be giving that service anyways, because that's how you're going to get referrals. Those are some of the most fulfilling messages I get when after something is sold or someone has bought and people, our clients have bought and sold in the past with other agents the most exciting messages that I get are, we are so thankful that we used you this time just because of how much more proactive and communicative you are. Those are super exciting for me. And that's something that I preach weekly at our weekly meetings with our team is just make sure you are being proactive with people. Don't wait for that message to happen. Awesome. So moving on with the questions here, if we could rewind the clock five years, right? Yep. If we go five years back, we're sitting there 2014 and end of summer, let's say we're having a pint and you could give yourself a piece of advice five years ago, what would it be? A couple things come to mind right away. One is patience. So when I say patience, I mean make decisions with clients, with listings, with the business that are going to be long-term beneficial. Don't make a decision based on a quick paycheck or a one deal decision. So be patient, think long-term with me. I plan to be in this industry for a very long time. Don't burn bridges. There, there's been multiple conversations in the past that I wish I could change with mostly with other agents in terms of just getting frustrated in negotiation or someone not seeing your point of view or whatever. And you say something that a couple days later, you're like, Ooh, maybe that next time I'm in a conversation with that guy or that girl, Maybe they're not as accommodating as they could have been if I handled that a little bit better. So I'd say patience, think long-term, make decisions long-term for the long-term benefit. The other thing that I've really gotten into in the last year or two is educating myself. So most of the way that I do that is through podcasts and any young, hardworking realtor out there is likely in their car a lot of hours in a day. So rather than turning on music and just kind of zoning out while you're in the car, Use that as an opportunity to educate yourself, whether it's podcasts, audiobooks, whatever it may be. I've found so much value in that, and I feel like I've really broken out of this quiet kid shell in the last couple of years that I was when I was a teenager, and it's a lot to do with consistently educating myself, and that for me, that's mostly been through podcasts. What podcast do you recommend? I run a podcast, and I've been doing it eight or nine months now. I love Joe Rogan. Uh, his is more of entertainment value than necessarily educating yourself, although he kind of mixes it up with scientists and like people who you do get you do educate with. But what I really like about his is he is one of, if not the best hosts of a podcast that I've heard. So I learn a ton in terms of 
improving myself on the podcast platform that I have just listening to him. He's a phenomenal listener. He picks up on little things that people say and really explores those ideas. So I've gotten a lot out of him. I started with Tim Ferriss, really like how in depth he goes in conversations with people. Gary V is someone who I go at for a couple of weeks, then we'll fall away from him for a month and come back to. And I just love his mindset. I think I have a lot of similarities in terms of what goes on in my head, but before finding Gary V, I was kind of afraid to admit them because of people's facial reactions and it bugged me a little bit. But uh, just hearing that there's someone that far end of the spectrum that is crushing it and just doing his thing and so unconcerned with what people think of him, I think there's a ton of value in any self-employed person, entrepreneur listening or getting some advice from a guy like that. Totally. Those are some great, great podcasts. Now, moving on, if we look at it and, you know, podcasts, I guess, are kind of out of the office, Joe Rogan, but what outside of the, you know, the real estate world that you do, do you think, or what's one thing that you do that you think maybe contributes to your success in business? It's probably been fitness in the last couple of years. So my first, I've been in the industry just over five years. My first three years were, was workaholic, like 16 hour days, seven days a week for most of those three years. I did not have very good balance. I was getting burnt out and fitness was my kind of release. And so a couple of years ago, started getting into running and working out, now hiking. And for me, it almost feels like a form of meditation. Like I, I enjoy doing those things by myself. Don't really like the class atmosphere where someone at the front is yelling at me. <laughs> but I really enjoy doing them myself. It's kind of meditation. I just kind of get to free myself of a bunch of thoughts. And I feel way more mentally sharp after a morning run or whatever it may be. So in terms of business balance, work-life balance, if you want to call it that, fitness has definitely been that thing for me in the last couple of years. Which it correlates, right? Fitness correlates with one, yes, you're going to energy, everything. Um, I'm right there with you. For me, I can't do the class stuff, but just honestly, it like stresses me out. And I, I feel like after playing high level sport, I'm kind of like, all right, I've already like itched this competitive scratch okay. or scratch this competitive yeah. itch or whatever. Like I, I just want to go and do my thing 45 minutes and then I'm, I'm good, you know? But it correlates, and it correlates with if you work out, you're probably eating healthier. If you eat healthier, you probably have better energy. You have better energy, you're probably better in the office. Like all of these things, you know, work together. And like you said, finding that balance is so, so crucial. And it's so easy to get wrapped up and truly become the workaholic, right? Uh, one of the things that I advise everyone to do when they're starting a company, real estate, anything, I say, Look, I know it's a grind, all these things. Take one day a week where you literally don't do work. Like mm -hmm. one day. Like if you can't take it one day, maybe for realtors it's Monday, right? It's like you can't take a day where you can literally just do net, like watch Netflix or zone out, go work out, do a hike, all mm -hmm. these things. Or you start to feel, you know, some people they'll do something like go on a hike and then they start feeling guilt that they're not back at the office, which is a normal thought to have, but it's not a healthy sure. thought to have. Right. Like, oh, I should be working more. I should be closing more deals. It's like, no, you should like should be real estate and your business should be facilitating the lifestyle you want to live. And if hiking's part of that, you know, then you should embrace that instead of push back. Because I see so many people that uh, 
almost like push away a balanced lifestyle. They just become the workaholic. And um, it's not sustainable over the long term. Burnout is very, very real. uh, And I relate that back to short-term versus long-term thinking. For me, early in the career, it was how do I build this thing as quickly as possible? Whereas three years in, I felt myself exhausted mentally and physically. And now that I've taken a little bit of a step back, understood that I'm going to be in this business for the next 30, 40 years. How do I prolong and how do I build long-term? And I think that is taking care of yourself, whether it's that one day off, whether it is, for me, it's really difficult to take a, a full day off. So I admit that it causes me anxiety, especially in busy season. And outside of busy season, it uh, it's much more easy for me to do that. But in busy season, to take a full day off is, is tough. So I'll just block hours off. Whether it's like a Tuesday morning from 9 to 12, I'm going to do a hike. If my phone rings, it's going to voicemail. I'll get back to them in the afternoon. So I think it's just finding a balance that works for you. And it's a lot of trial and error. For me, the day off thing, maybe it's just because I'm only five years in and I still want this thing to, or I have a lot of big goals with, with our business. But for me, it's really tough to do that. And so I found that a few hours gives me the refresh that I need whether it's like Sunday after 2 p.m., not doing any work or Tuesday mornings, like I said. But that for me has been working a lot in the last couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, you got to find the system that works for you, right? And if you found your groove and you're able to do that um, daily, then I think, you know, all the power to you. Um, But for me, I'm like, I need that one day. For me, Saturdays, I just don't. I'll maybe work on personal projects. So I'll work on like the podcast or I'll work on that kind of the more creative things, but I'm not like filing business expenses on a Saturday morning. (laughs) That's so it's yeah crafting the week to really match the lifestyle. I want totally now, now flipping the gears a little bit. Do I want to talk a little bit about your company? What are you guys doing that you're really, really excited about as we get into, you know, the second half of 2019 and into 2020? We, had a pretty awesome team meeting uh, this week, actually. And really what the focus was is we've done a phenomenal job marketing online. And that's where that's where like 40% of our business comes from is literally website leads, website and social media, which in our industry is a ridiculously high number where we feel like we've lacked. And it's really just been because we've scaled in the last year and a half or so in terms of bringing more people on, but 2016, 17, start of 2018, we were just so overwhelmed with the amount of business that we were trying to do in a week, in a month, that our relationships with our past clients definitely were not handled as well as we could have. So really that is where we are trying to improve on in the next year is more client events. We were talking about seasonal stuff and in the real estate world, at least in greater Vancouver, the spring is the busiest time of year for us. So March to June, July. And so events to kind of keep yourself top of mind to be able to follow up with past clients early in the year are what we're going to try to work better on. Whether it's like a, a family day long weekend movie night or something like that to bring kids and families out to, whether it's like a May long weekend type of thing. We are associated with a brewery in New West. So there's a kind of like a parking lot food truck brewery event that we uh, participate in every year and invite past clients to. It also gives what I really like about having multiple events in a year is it 
it gives an easy opportunity for agents on our team to reach out to past clients. So often a lot of people can find those conversations very awkward. If you haven't talked to someone in a year calling up John and being like, Hey John, how's, uh, how's the house in Burnaby? Still loving the neighborhood? Okay, great. It's a bit of an awkward conversation, but if you have an excuse to call them to invite them to an event, also check in on their family, see how they're enjoying the neighborhood, it's a little bit more of a comfortable phone call email to make. Totally, and it, it breaks that tension. Like you said, instead of just calling to say, exactly, loving the neighborhood, got any yeah. referrals? Like people, <laughs> they can kind of read through that. Um, no, I think, that's a, I think that's a great point. Uh, and those local events and reconnecting with your past customers are, it's so huge. And kind of like what you said at the start, you don't want to burn bridges, right? And guys, if you imagine your business, right? Imagine your business and all your clients. Now imagine them kind of like a tree, like drawn out like a family tree, right? That way, or like a, yeah, just any graph. If people refer you and then they refer you to their friends and then they refer you to their friends and your tree can keep growing, right? You're really, your scope of business can become or your sphere, sorry, of influence and uh, the amount of business you can do can become so big. But if you start cutting people off or forgetting them, they're going to hop into another realtor's Mm -hmm. tree, right? They're going to hop into their sphere of influence and their business. So really not forgetting about, uh, forgetting about your clients. I think it's so huge. I talked with an agent out of Toronto who's a, you know, top producer there, top 1%, all these things. And I said, okay, you know, you have a great online presence. He's in his 60s and he's totally embraced iPhone apps mm-hmm. and stuff. It's awesome. But I said, what What do you do? And he's like, honestly, it's how I built the business over 30 years. I write every single week. I have two hours to literally do uh, client. I, I catch up with people and I send notes. I have everything in my calendar based on when their kid's going to graduate high school. I truly am reaching out and trying to create relationships with all these people. And I do it every week. He's like, I go through my list, like what's happening this week out of the people I've met over the last 20 years. And he's like, religiously, he's like, it's the best marketing I can do. He's like writing a handwritten letter. He's he's like, it might seem old school, all these things, but it's worked for me forever. And it's something that I I see as it's often overlooked because we're chasing the next sale. Um, Instead of understanding that, you know, hey, we really need to be the the shepherd, so to speak opposed to the shark if you're looking for sales lingo. But yeah, I found that fascinating. It's something, honestly, that we have not done well. And it's kind of embarrassing to admit because it's such a powerful way to market yourself. And I guess it's a time-consuming thing too. So in busy season, it's easy to forget. But long-term, I think that is the best marketing tool. Consistently communicating with past clients who have had great experiences with you. Those little cards for, you know, someone had a new baby or it's their birthday or whatever, those little cards with a scratch and win ticket in them or a $5 Starbucks gift card or whatever is what people remember, right? Totally. And, and making it real and mm-hmm. heartfelt, right? That's the, that's the way to do it. Now, before I let you go, I want you to, you know, leave us just with one kind of piece of parting guidance or wisdom that you have for that, uh, that realtor that's listening right now. It feels a bit awkward to be asked to give wisdom because I'm 30 years old and I don't think I'm that wise yet. But I think it for me, it literally is, there's no secret sauce. I know in slower markets, especially in Greater Vancouver right now, there's a lot of realtors scratching their head. What do I do? I haven't had a listing in three months. Like where, where's my next deal going to come from? How am I going to, where am I going to get that next paycheck from? There's no secret. And this bugs the 
crap out of me is work. That's what it takes. When you're self-employed in this crazy real estate industry, work harder. If you work harder, you're going to sell more homes. If you door knock more, you're going to meet more people. If you go to more networking events, you're going to meet more people who are potentially buying and selling. It's a long-term outlook, not focused on the next deal, but focused on building business long-term work. That's literally what it takes. There's no secret sauce. There's no formula in terms of number of cold calls per week or number of door knocks per week or number of Instagram posts per week. It's work. And I think to, to build on that, it's the right type of work. Guys, all this stuff is out there. It's the cold calling. It's the door knocking. It's networking events. Updating your personal Instagram, you might think it's work, but if that's all you do, you know, that's not going to cut it. You have to look at what are the tactics that like that's, that are working mm -hmm. for people and go out and replicate those and put the work in. I was at an uh, event and Tony Robbins was there speaking and he, he was talking to this point because he said, look, you know, if you want to see a sunset, don't drive east, right? And I thought it was just like, like, yeah, you have to move towards your goals, but you have to move in the right direction. And a way to do that is with the tried, tested and true work. So working your sphere, contacting people, door knocking, like doing all of those things that are hard. Door knocking is hard. There's no other way around it. Yeah. But going and putting in that, that, that work in the right direction, I, I can't agree with Finding that. ways to provide people value too, right? So door knocking is fairly invasive. Your people are going to slam doors in your face. They're going to swear at you. It's not super fun. Does it work? Yes, if you put the time in and do enough of it. But finding ways to provide value. So what we've started doing in the last year or so, well, one podcast for me, it just builds your network and it's a crazy awesome tool. And I highly recommend if, if uh, you're looking for different mediums to grow your business. Two is this idea that Gary Vee talks about all the time is being the mayor of your town. So sharing experiences. If you, for example, I live in Vancouver, favorite restaurants, going to interview people or managers at the restaurant and ask them what their favorite things about the restaurant are. Why should someone come check it out? Different events that happen in the summer throughout the city. Like there's a awesome food truck, uh, a rib fest food truck event that happened uh, in July and just going there and meeting people and talking to like some of the owners of these food trucks and how passionate they are about. We're finding that real estate is kind of annoying for people because it's just blown up and everyone on social media is talking about or realtors all they post is real estate real estate real estate whereas if you can provide value to people in terms of experiences in the city if they're moving to vancouver or a suburb of vancouver what can they expect in terms of amenities and parks and hikes and whatever it may be childcare, whatever it may be so providing value in terms of what the city has to offer rather than just here's another sold here's my new listing totally getting out there and actually not saying look at me mm -hmm. marketing that's i call that look at me yeah. marketing look at my listing look at my listing yeah people buy once every five to seven yeah. years so it's going to fall on deaf ears a lot instead of look how much surrey is mm -hmm. growing right surrey is a suburb in vancouver for those i'm wondering but uh no you're totally hit the nail on the head with that anyways man i'm gonna let you get out of here before you go Tell the people if they want to connect with you, where should they find you? Where should they reach out? Absolutely. Uh, Instagram is my most active platform. So feel free to shoot me a DM. Uh, happy to chat with uh, anyone in this real estate industry. Denny.Duma, D-E-N-N-Y dot D-U-M-A-S. 
check out the podcast. I'm having a blast with it. Literally interviewing everyone from entrepreneurs to actors, to athletes, to scientists, to brewery owners. I love it. I think it's uh, providing a ton of value. The podcast is called Zero to Here, so you can find it on any fun plot podcast platform. Those are the two big ones. Awesome. Well, guys, that is it. Go check out Denny's podcast. Like I said, episode 17, I have no bias. <laughs> Until next time, actually, please share this. Hit like, comment, do all of that stuff that you hear at the end of podcasts. I would really appreciate it. Until next time, guys. 